morning, everyone. I better learn to whisper with this microphone. Um, thank you, worship team. Thank you, music team. That was awesome worship. Can you give our worship team a hand? Well, it's good to be in church today. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Jensen. Uh, I am just part of this big family called One Heart. Uh, I'm a medical doctor by trade, uh, a father after, after hours, and a husband sometimes. <laughs> I, um, that's the reality, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this year, my wife and I celebrated 10 years of, of marriage. And uh, looking back, I think we, uh, in the last 10 years, we've moved houses four times. We have uh, three kids, and uh, we're still alive. We haven't stabbed each other, so we are, <laughs> I think we are, we're doing okay so far. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's good to, be, um, good to be in Lincoln, and we've been in Port Lincoln for almost five years now, and we thank God for being part of this church. Uh, this is an awesome church, um, and you know, what I, what I do today is just a tiny wheel in the midst of many other wheels that make all these things work, right? From the moment you step in, you see the welcome team, and then you get the people that work behind the scenes with the children. You know, these are all the little things and the people at the sound desk, you know. Uh, I want to honor all these people because I am just a little wheel, and there are bigger wheels that are making this big body called the church to function. And today, I just want to share with you something that is very common to all of us and something that I struggle with myself. Uh, and I believe many of us struggle with this in this modern day and age. We are going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about supernatural rest. Right? Now, I am the worst person to talk to you about rest because... Because I do work a lot, and I come from a culture where you work to the day you die. There's no such thing as a holiday, and a holiday means laziness, All right? Um, so I'm Chinese by ethnicity, so you know, most of the time as Chinese, we just want to make money. Just want to make money, All right? It is true. Uh, and we work hard to make money, and we work hard to save up for our next generation, but then we have no concept of what it is to rest. And then many times when I grew up in church, I, I had this impression that once you serve God, you also must work, to your, work your butt off. You're going to work until you pretty much burn out. And then I've seen my, many of my dear friends who have served God very well all these years, and then they just burn out, and then they say, no, I don't want to work with God anymore. You know, there must be a balance to things. And I brought to God that God, I myself have suffered burnout. And there must be a way for us to deal with this. Because God, this is not what you've intended us to have. Just to work our butt off. Alright? So, as I looked through scripture, I found keys. I found keys that we can apply with the help of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to live a balanced, effective life. And it includes rest. And today, I'm going to talk to you and share with you what is natural rest, and also, more importantly, what is supernatural rest, all right? Because both of them are important, all right? Both of them are important. You don't need a medical doctor to tell you that if you don't rest, you're going to be in trouble, all right? All right, so 
why don't we first start by, oh, having some batteries here. Uh, oh, It is resting. <laughs> See? There you go. There you go. All right. So I think when we look at the Bible, when we want to look at things like rest, we have to go back to the root word. Right? We can't use the English language to define a lot of things that we think is the real meaning in the Bible. So let's look at the Hebrew word of rest, because the Bible is made up of Hebrew and Greek. Right? So when we look at the Hebrew word, I'm not going to bother pronouncing that, because it's going to be terrible. Um, it means to be quiet, to cease from activity. Now, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't mean that we're going to sit like a statue for 24 hours. Um, but it's also synonymous with Shabbat, which is the Sabbath day, because we all know that the Jews observe the Sabbath day, where all of them don't work. And then in the, in the New Testament, the, the, the term rest is that word, which I'm not going to say either, because Con's going to kill me if I, um, if I don't pronounce it properly. Con is our resident Greek specialist. That's what I, that's what I heard. Um, so it means cessation and refreshment. You, can re you realize when you talk about rest, it is not just a noun. So rest, it means freedom from activity and labor. It's like a state of peace of mind and spirit and sleep. It's a noun. But you, if you see the root word or the Hebrew and the Greek root word, it's actually an action. Rest is a verb. Rest is an active action. It's something that we have to do deliberately. So that means rest is not passivity, all right? Rest doesn't, is not sitting on a beach, drinking pina colada, and watch the world go by, all right? Even though that is important too sometimes, yes? All right? Um, but there's something more to it. It is an action. It is a deliberate action. Um, so when we look at rest, we want to know how important is rest. If you look to your Bible in the first few pages, you will know that rest is important because it is in creation, right? God made the heavens and the earth and all the other, th all the other stuff. And I got to reboot this every time. Oh, thanks. Can we go back to the previous one? Oh, there you go. All right, all right. You drive now, Amy. Thank you. Um, now, you looked on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation and he rested from his work. And he blessed the day and he called it holy. Next, next one, um, Amy. Thanks. He blessed it and he rested. Right? Now, there is the previous one, Amy. <laughs> um, he rested. Notice that when God blessed the day, there's only two times he actually blessed things during the work of creation. He blessed it when he created all the living beings. He didn't bless it when he created uh, the moon and the stars and blah, blah, blah. He actually blessed it when he created men. He created the living things and he blessed the seventh day, the day that he rested. Right? So God puts a lot of emphasis on rest. Right? Now, it is so important that when God called 
the Israelites out of Egypt. And you know that Israel were, were slaves in Egypt. And they were living in a culture of slavery. And when God called them out to the wilderness, He wants to put in a new culture. He's trying to create in them a culture that reflects Him, that reflects His character. And that's why He asks and He demands that the Jews observe the Sabbath day. Because if you look at Exodus 31, verse 12 to 17, He talks about the reasons why they need to observe the Sabbath, because God rested on the seventh day. All right, and was refreshed. Now, do you think God needs rest? I don't think so. I don't think God needs rest because in the, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, he says, he who watches Israel never slumbers or sleep. All right, so God doesn't contradict himself. Right, he's not confused. So God actually doesn't need rest, but he's setting a pattern because he created us to rest. So he created us and he asked Israel, who were supposed to be the people that reflect his culture and his character, to rest every seventh day, to rest every seventh year, and to have an extra rest after the 49th year. Now, can you imagine how many holidays they have? I think we have we, we got a bit of lack of holidays here in Australia. Um, uh, I grew up in Malaysia, and then we had lots of holidays because we got different cultures. And every culture, I find an excuse to have a holiday, all right? But over here, it's like, you know, sometimes they debate whether we should get rid of the Queen's birthday. Don't get rid of the Queen's birthday. I want a holiday. Right? Just, just leave it as it is. Um, so, so the Jews actually have many, many, many holidays. Right? And the seventh day in the Jewish culture, they really, really cannot work. Because if they were found working, there will be pretty severe consequences. Uh, and on the seventh year, for that entire year, they are not supposed to work the land. Do you know that? And on the, after the 49th year, which means after the seventh of the seventh year, which is already a rest year, they have an extra year of rest in which they can't even tend to their fields. And if you read through Leviticus 25, they were quite specific. That means the farmers cannot prune, they cannot work the ground, they cannot do anything, but they can actually harvest the fruits. They can actually take the fruits, but they cannot do anything to make the land give more. So God actually puts so much emphasis on rest, on natural rest. We're not even talking about the supernatural rest yet. And it is so important for us to grasp that if this is how our bodies are wired, and this is how God has intended it as a culture. When we, in this modern day and age, we have to find a way to rest. We actually have to allocate time and make time to rest. And today I'm going to share with you why we rest, and more importantly, how to rest. So next slide. Thanks, Amy. So why we rest? As I've explained in Exodus 31, verse 12 to 14, it is a reflection of God's character to culture. What's more importantly if I, is at Genesis 2, verse 2, and John chapter 19, verse 30 to 31, God rested because it is a symbol of a completed work. So God finished His work on the sixth day and He rested. And I want to bring you to John chapter 19, where Jesus hung on the cross and he says, it is finished. And then it was the Sabbath. And it was not just a Sabbath, it was a Passover Sabbath. 
So God actually finished his work on the sixth day and even Jesus himself rested. Jesus finished his work just before the Sabbath. So God actually honoured the Sabbath. If you look at the life of Christ, Jesus honoured the Sabbath. But Jesus also addressed the legalistic mindset of that day where they said, no, you can't help anybody on the Sabbath day because that is wrong. Now, I say, I say this because as much as we all would love to have fixed one day a week to rest, there are occupations that require us to work on an, an expected day of rest, like doctors, ambulance officers, policemen. Can you imagine if you have a community that doesn't have police officers and, and, and fireys, no doctors, all, they're all away? Can you imagine what kind of society that will be on that day, right? So what I'm trying to share with you guys is a principle. I'm not sharing, you, you, I'm not sharing a legalistic technique or, a, or some sort of formula for success, but I'm just sharing with you the principles and the heart of God that wants us to rest. Right. Now, so the finished work of creation and redemption is reflected on the day of rest. God ensured that the, Hebrew, that the Jews observed the Sabbath years because He wants them to be fruitful and productive. God promised the Israelites, when you observe the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee, He will give them enough crops on the sixth year so that they have enough for the next two years. All right? So God always provides. God, uh, God asked the Israelites to do this because you know what? Because He wants the Israelites to depend on Him for all things. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Right? So you want to know where your treasure is? It's where you spend your time and where you spend your money. Just check your bank account and see what your rosters are. You will know where your treasure is. Right? Because if the Israelites just want to work all the time, their treasure is just wanting to work, wanting to make money. So God demands a stewardship of our time as much as He demands a stewardship of our money. See? So when we give our lives to God, we have to give Him portions of our time and portions of our money. Right, as what we have gone through with the series on God, money, and me. And you know what, what the Jews do during the Sabbath day? They actually rested and they enjoy the company of their families. They, they, they don't just sit there and read their Torah all the time. Right? They, it's actually a day that many Jews enjoy because they actually gather together um, to, to read the Scriptures and spend time with their families. That means God wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And if we do not learn to rest, we'll never enjoy the fruits of our labor. All right? So God wants us to be fruitful and serve Him long, long time. <laughs> All right? I know it's bad English, but you know. Um, and that's why He wants us to rest. Oh, what is this? Can we work there? Oh, yes. Right. Now, let's go to the more important part, the supernatural rest. How many of you know that when life is stressful and life throws many challenges to us, it is very difficult for us to even rest naturally, right? You can have a holiday, but your mind is still thinking. Your mind is still stressed out. You're still worrying about things. You can never enter. You can never have that rest. And God knew that. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wrote to the Jews to actually explain to the Jews that, look, there is a greater rest than a Sabbath rest 
that is there for you. And verse 2, it says, this is the good news. God has prepared this rest. It has been announced to us as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. And then I give you snippets of the entire um, passage of Scripture in verse 3. It says, oh, for only we who believe can enter that rest. Verse 6, God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard of this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. There is a special Sabbath in verse 9, rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. That means the same rest that God had when He created the world on that seventh day is available to you and I. How awesome is that? And that rest is independent of our circumstances. That rest is independent of the stressors in life that we face. So what is that rest? And I'm going to share with you four keys from rest. R-E-S-T. Right? R. The most important part, we must return to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source of our rest. It is not about how we're going to rest because the first thing we do of how to rest is who we're going to rest on. I'm going to tell you today that without Jesus Christ, we will never find true rest. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. That means God is willing to teach us to know how to rest when we come to Him because He is gentle and humble at heart and you will find rest for your soul because the struggle for the rest of our souls, our soulful rest, can only find, we can only find that in Jesus Christ. That is why there is so much unrest in this world. We live in a world that is so restless, isn't it? With technology, we becomes, it becomes like our, our lives have become so frantic. And we thought technology is supposed to help us, but it makes us more stressful. Right? We became more busy, but we are actually less productive. So God doesn't want us to be busy. He wants us to be fruitful. Right? So it's, and many times, even myself, and even as a Christian, many times we get caught up in this busyness. But actually, are we fruitful? Is that what God wants us to do? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. R, return to Jesus Christ. E, we must learn to enter into His presence. We return to Jesus Christ by entering into His presence. Isn't it amazing the book of Hebrews at at chapter 4, the first half of chapter 4 talks about rest. And then at the end of chapter 4, he talks about Jesus as our high priest. He's saying that Jesus has already allowed us to be able to enter that rest because he understands our weakness. He faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us boldly come to the throne of God. So today we can come before the throne of our gracious God anytime, anywhere. We have to learn to enter into God's presence wherever we can. It's not just in church. In fact, the, many of my best encounters with God is actually driving in the car, right? You enter into God's presence in your car, and there's a few times on the toilet bowl too. But anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, don't laugh. I think some of you guys do that too, right? Okay, right? So when, you know, God can speak to you anywhere. God can speak to you anywhere, but you have to, we have to make 
that action of resting. Say, God, despite of my circumstances, I'm entering into your presence. I'm coming back to you, that you give me rest. And I find that when I spend even that five or ten minutes at the start of my day when I'm already burdened and I get into God's presence, I feel so refreshed when I get out there. You don't need to meditate for one hour or two hours. You don't need to go for 40 days of fasting because God has already allowed us to enter into His presence anywhere. You don't need to fast or you don't need to, to cut yourself or do anything to, to show God to get His approval. Enter into His presence. As we need to see the bigger picture because sometimes we are so caught up with our little petty things and that we fail to see the bigger picture. One great example is Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. It is the story of Mary and Martha where they invited Jesus as a guest to their home. And you know the story, some of you, where Martha was so busy doing things and Mary just took time to sit at Jesus' feet. And Mary got upset because she thinks that her sister was meant to help her, which is true. I will get upset too. I'm a bit like a Martha. Yeah. And, um, and she complained to Jesus. But Jesus said to Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Notice that Jesus didn't say, dear Martha, you, you are working too hard. You shouldn't be working. No, he's saying that you are worried and upset at details. That means you are upset at the little petty little things. Probably the cheese is not right or, you know, there's little things. Or the chairs are not arranged properly because Jesus is a superstar, blah, blah, blah. But he says there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So many times in our daily life and even in our service to God, that when we get so caught up and upset over all these little details, maybe God is asking us to step back and see the bigger picture. And just sit at Jesus' feet because that is the bigger picture. So, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. So, we enter into God's presence. We help. We ask God to help us see the bigger picture. And last but not least, we have to trust, T for trust, our loving God with our worries. And this is the hardest part because you and I have worries, right? Um, if if there's anybody here that doesn't have any worry in life, I would like to know what medicine you're on. Right? Um, Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 30. It is the passage of Scripture where Jesus talked about do not worry about your life. What you eat or drink, what the birds of the air, um, the birds of the air, He feeds them, He clothes the lilies of the field, and even Solomon in all his splendor is not dressed as amazing as these lilies. He said, how much more will He look after us? And this is the hard part of our modern-day society because we are trying to control everything. We are trying to say that, God, I don't need you. Even though we don't say it with our words, our actions say it because we think that we can fix everything. But God is asking us that the key to rest is to trust Him with our worries, to cast our yoke upon Him, just like I shared at Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. King Solomon, one of the most... Um, wisest man in history wrote in Psalms 127, verse 1 to 2, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the, lab- the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to His loved ones. 
So when we trust God that He will build our house, He will guard our cities, He will guard our lives, God will give us that rest. And I know that in this this time and season, even as you've seen from our prayer request, there's so many needs and the year 12s and the drought and, and all these needs, God can give us that rest. And you say, and many of us will say, Lord, but this is so difficult, especially trusting God without worries. Yes, it is difficult because I struggle with it as well. It is the battlefield of our mind. It is truly a battlefield of our thoughts. Um, Psalms 16, verse 8 to 9, is a psalm of King David. King David wrote a lot of psalms when he was running away from King Saul, when his life was, his, was in danger. If you look at Psalms, Psalm 16, David was writing, saying that, God, you are my protector, you will guard me, you will protect me. And then later on in the psalm, David had, meant, had said four lines that is so powerful. He said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. Can you see that there is such a, such a relationship between the revelation of God that leads to the confession of faith and the confession of faith leads to emotional stability and then you get your physical rest. The problem with our modern day society is that we are so fixed with our emotional instability and we try to fix the physical part but we haven't dealt with our confession. We haven't dealt, more importantly, our revelation, who we are. And so, you know, the psychology has discovered nothing new because all the keys are already in the Bible. You talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, relaxation strategies. They are trying to fix the confession of the mind, right? They're trying to get the mind to control over what the body's response is, which, is, which works because... It is a biblical, it's a biblical principle, right? But what it lacks is the revelation. Because you, if you don't have the revelation, your confession of faith will always be shaky. Because once you have the revelation of who God is, that you will have a strong confession of faith and emotionally you will be stable and your physical body will reflect the rest of the mind. So King David had a revelation of who God is, and that is why he can make that confession. Now you say, what? Oh, I know all of this, but it is so hard. What if I'm already so burnt out? It is true. I have faced burnt out. I've seen friends who have burned out. And can I tell you this, that no Christian is immune to mental health illness, all right? Doesn't mean you're a Christian. Doesn't mean you won't suffer from depression. Doesn't mean if you're a Christian, means you won't suffer from anxiety. Doesn't mean if you're a Christian, you won't suffer from diseases of the mind. But Jesus has given us keys for us to overcome every thorn in our flesh, right? And I want to share to you Elijah's struggle in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to 8. Elijah was burnt out. Elijah was depressed. Elijah was on the verge of suicide. Did you know that? Right? He asked God to take away his life because after such a great victory, when he, he got fire coming down from the sky to consume a wet sacrifice, all the prophets of Baal were executed and Queen Jezebel swore that she would have Elijah's head on the plate. Now, you would have thought that Elijah, after having all of these miracles, that he would be like, come on, bring it on, right? But 
I think Elijah was burned out. Elijah was depressed and he couldn't handle that threat and he ran away and he wanted to commit suicide. Like he, want, he, want, he even left his servant. You know that, that the danger point is when you, when you are depressed and you become isolated, right? Because the first thing Elijah did is he left his servant. He rejected company and he went into an isolated area. That is dangerous, right? So, and that is why we gather in church so that we can support each other so that when we struggle, we, we won't feel alone. And the devil always wants to, wants to separate the people who are struggling so, so that he can devour them. But we have to learn to watch out for each other. So when Elijah wanted to commit suicide, do you know what the first thing God did? God didn't come to him in, a, uh, in like some big flash of lightning and say, wake up, get your butt off. You know, he's, he actually sent an angel to give him food. So it's probably he's hangry, all right? He's probably hangry, all right? Yeah, yeah, I like that mask bar at... Because people at work know when I'm hangry too. Because now I have a little warning sign on my, uh, on my desk. Beware, approach, tired and hungry, approach at your own risk. Um, so, yeah. um, so Elijah probably was tired, depressed and hungry. So he was hangry. So God fixed the hangriness first. Right? So he, he sent an angel to wake him up and fed him, not just once, but a few times. If you read the scriptures, he fed him enough until he has enough food to actually run 40 days in the wilderness. That means he really had a buffet, right? So, so God sorted out the physical part. So if you are burnt out, the first thing you should do is you've got to make time to rest your physical body. You've got to learn to eat. You've got to learn to sleep properly. We've got to learn to do things naturally, what our body is supposed to do. Eat and sleep. There is nothing, there's nothing hyper-spiritual about this because this is how God intended it to be. Right? So learn to rest physically. And then Elijah entered into the mountain of God. He entered into God's presence again. Right? And in his, in his encounter with God, God dealt with Elijah's negative confession. If you read the scriptures, you will find that Elijah keeps telling God, God, I'm the only one. There's nobody loves me. I'm going to die. Blah, blah, blah. And he, even up to the mountain of God, he's saying the same thing. He's repeating that negative thought. But then God spoke to him in that still small voice and he restored Elijah with a fresh revelation to combat his negative confession and gave him a new purpose, almost like a new, a new mission because after that, he was meant to anoint Elisha. He was meant to anoint new kings. And you know what? Because, because the devil knows that we will be very effective in the future and that is why he's trying to rob us because God has something great in store for all of us. And then the devil is always trying hard so that for us not to respond to our calling. And then he uses stress, he uses, he uses burnout, he uses depression and all this to, to, to draw us back. All right? But God is in the business of restoring us back to his calling. So in summary, I'll get, I'll get the music team back up. Rest is, in the end of the day, is very simple. It is returning to Jesus Christ. The true source, the true foundation of our rest, we enter into His presence regularly by faith. We ask God to help us to see the bigger picture and we want God to help us for we need help to trust Him with our cares and worries. I want to speak to the first group of people today, you may have heard about all this rest 
but deep inside you, you know that you are struggling, that there is, there is a hole, that you find that there's this constant restlessness and unrest that you cannot find the solution in anything, in anything that is available locally, internationally, on the web. You try many ways, but you just find that there is no rest on the inside. I want to tell you today that Jesus actually is the key to that rest. And if you haven't, if you haven't approached Jesus and asked Jesus to come and feel that hole in your heart, you will never find that rest. The only true source of rest is when we are entered into this relationship with Jesus Christ, where we actually have peace with God our Father. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done. But when we have that peace with God, you will truly have that rest. You'll have that rest knowing that in this life and in the life to come that Jesus has already paid the price for our sins, that Jesus has already secured us a place even when we die, that there is a place where there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrows. And even in this life, He will give us a purpose. He'll give us a purpose despite all the stressors in life. He'll give us a refuge for us to run to whenever we are stressed out. Even Jesus retreated into a quiet place when he was in ministry. He retreated so that he can be refreshed. So I want, to, I want to challenge you with every head bowed and every eyes closed just for privacy's sake. If this is you and you say, yes, I, I want to have this rest and I never really know what it means to have rest because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want to make this step today. I want to take this step today so that I can receive him into my life and give me that peace that I have with God and that eternal hope that, that many of us here will share. If that is you, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, can, can I get you just to raise your hand? Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Now, with your hands raised, We'd like to pray this prayer together with you. And all of us here, we're going to pray a prayer together with you to ask Jesus to come and give us that true rest. So can you repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I do not have it all together. That I have fallen short. But today, I ask you to come into my life. I ask that you will bring that rest and that peace that you promised. I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. And I ask that you will take me on this journey to know you more and more in the days and months and years to come. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the second group of people that I want to I wanna challenge today is those of us who walk with the Lord and for those of us who are burnt out. For those of us who feel that we are on the verge of just, life is just too hard and we're just struggling and we just couldn't find that rest. I want to challenge you today that we can actually find that rest at the foot of the cross today. That as we sing this song, uh, oh, come to the altar. Why don't we approach Jesus? That is always the first step. Like, do not run away from Jesus. Even though we've walked with Jesus many times and for many years, sometimes we still run away from Jesus. 
Yeah, but I encourage you that we approach, we come back to Jesus, that we bring to Him our worries, we bring to Him our burdens, and we ask God to give us that supernatural rest which He has already promised to us. Now, if that is you, I want to encourage you that as a step of faith, that you will stand at where you're seated, that you just stand as a sign of acknowledgement that Jesus, I want that rest. Give, we need, I need that rest, and I know you are willing to give me that rest and restore me and refresh me so that I can respond to the future calling that you've already asked me to. So if that is you, I challenge you as we sing that you stand and ask God to give us that rest. Thank you.